Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Men Say podcast. We are back to review another Sunderland game and look ahead to another one as well because we're at that stage of the season where fixtures start to come thick and fast again. Uh, that said, yeah, a lot of teams cancelling their games because of COVID. We'll have a little bit of a discussion on that as well. Uh, one team in particular being very vocal about it in our league. So I'll be keen to get people's opinions on that. Joining myself, Stephen Goldsmith, as always, is Gareth Barger. Hi. Hi. Okay, not even a bonjour or holler or anything. Okay. No, just a hi. Fair enough. Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo joins us as well. And uh be good to get your opinion on some stuff, Phil, tonight as well. You okay? Evening. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Everybody enjoy the uh, the weekend of FA Cup action. Is the romance of the cup still alive in, in the Smith and Barker what? households? Do you know what I I would normally I'm not I'm not that into it, but I got home from Wickham and, and stuck match of the day on and it was quality. Yeah. Absolutely tremendous. Um fair play to all the all the teams who took some scalps. Um I thought it was really, really top class. I used to love the FA Cup, you know, when I was just a supporter before I started doing this job and quality to see it sort of sort of live and kicking, I thought it was tremendous. Mm. It is. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you see all those like the, the smaller clubs and the amount of fans are taken and stuff like that. And then you see like it's still, you know, you look at some of the clubs who stuck in the championship and just seen 6,000 fans, you know, West Brom got 8,000 at home or something like that. And it's, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? Because we all say we love it and the crowd, the crowds, unless you're one of the big Premier League teams who have tourists and just fill out anywhere, um, or you're one of the, the size of a giant killing um, attendance don't really reflect it, which is quite sad, isn't it? Uh, I tell you what, the TV company's got a lot of answers for them. They're putting West Ham and Leeds on a Sunday, you know, and they and the pretend that they're like interested in the magic and the romance of the, of the FA Cup, don't they? And then they'll they'll put Leeds reserves versus West Ham reserves on a, a Hull and Everton on Saturday night, wasn't it? Well, I guess Hull and Everton's, you know, at least it's a championship team against a Premier League team, but. There were other games that they could have gone for, but it's all. I mean, nobody should be surprised. It's like they can't get Premier League football, so as soon as the opportunity comes up to put a Premier League game on, essentially that's what they do in the cups, bit, isn't it? I mean, it's that's just really it's always the way. It's, it's small side though, isn't it? I, I guess in a way you can kind of understand the decision in a way because you're saying, well, Leeds have got a big following, West Ham have got a big following. You know, fans of both of those sides will tune in and watch, even if they do put reserve teams out. But it's just, 
it, it's a fact that then they'll oh. go on about the Magic <clears throat> FA Cup and you just think, well, you didn't put any of those giant killing games on live. Not one of them were on live. I think, I think most people, I think more people would likely watch a, um, a, a sort of a, a smaller team against a bigger team, I think, so, wouldn't they? Like like you're saying, so the I guess it's the hedge and the bets hoping that they'd get that interest, but I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? We weren't playing in it, so... Enjoy. It doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> let the let the people who are still in the cups worry about the. Cup. You can't be that insular, Gareth. You've got to be able to like look look a little bit further afield and, and discuss and enjoy football. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, is, is that why people? I mean, I don't know why people still listen to this after like eight nine years. But um, are they tuning in to hear our opinions are you, on the? FA are you cup one of the, No, we've said before. This is, just, this is just um, you know being social on broadcasting and just easing the listeners into the program. You know, we've had these discussions before. Um, are you one of the people who says, uh, uh, "Sun"? Have you got a second team? Yes, Sunderland reserves. Remember that one? Um, no, I don't say that. <laughs> but I don't have a second team either. No, you should ignore the second, question. You shouldn't yeah, have a second team either. Really. really, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Oh, well, Sunderland did play, and they were on Sky as well, talking about uh, TV games, which was uh, which was canny. Um, before we get into the game, uh, I want to I wanna get people's opinion on pre-match and uh, the statement that was brought out. Um, I don't know what all that was about. You might be able to shine some light onto it for me, Phil, that Sunderland have panicked everybody and freaked everybody out because they've recalled players from from um, the clubs who they were on loan at and sort of said, no, you know, we're going to commit to this game, you know, for the integrity of the league because of the fans who have travelled down and scared the living dealouts out of me to think of what kind of team they're going to put out here. Actually, the team they put out was as strong as you could expect and wouldn't have raised any eyebrows at all had they not put that statement out beforehand, right? Well, it would have raised a few eyebrows because the team saying your keepers were absent. Well, yeah, but oh. that, that is one thing where you see how two keepers out. But he's played before. He played against Wickham in the first. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with yeah. you. I mean, I think that... Well, I think the point is, um, I agree with you, and I thought it was the right decision to play. So I, I know what you mean about the statement. I, you did assume it was going to be worse. Um, I think the point is they could have got the game called off. Um because they, technically they didn't have a senior goalkeeper with Patterson out on loan. Now, it's a little bit of a grey area, because obviously when Middlesbrough were in a similar situation where they had an outbreak a week before, BFL basically told them to bring their loan players back to play the game. Um, so I suppose there was a debate about whether the EFL would have done the same had Sunderland requested a postponement, but I think they wanted to make a bit of point of of showing their trust in Patterson, and rightly so, because you know um, they do see him as a long-term number one, and I don't think there's a huge amount in it at the moment between him and the other goalkeepers. And I know there's a lot of people behind the scenes who don't think there's much in it between him and the other goalkeepers. So I know what you mean. It was a stronger side than you would have assumed when the statement came out. But I suppose theoretically, as a point of principle, they could have got the game cancelled or postponed in the hope of maybe having some January recruits in by the next time they played. So I can see why they wanted to make a point that they weren't postponing the game when maybe other teams have done in a similar scenario, but I certainly agree with you that it was stronger than I'd assumed when the statement came well, out, well, and what, I would have been, what, what's I would that have been disappointed. Well, I, no, I agree with the decision to play the game, by the way. Like, I'd be, you know, when you can put that kind of team out, and we've we've said on here many times, we don't want to be the team who's playing catch-up with loads of games and get some points on the board. Um, I, I just 
you know, pat yourself on the back. I'm not sure. I'm not. Yeah, is it going to influence anybody maybe, or do anything? Maybe, make, maybe making a point about what's been happening elsewhere. In yeah, terms bro. Of where games have not gone ahead. Is and, anybody going to listen to it though? Is anybody going to turn out of this? Or do you know what I mean? I just think I just do wish that you do not think quite quietly went about it. I just don't, couldn't see the point. Do you not think maybe it's getting kind of the, the first punch in sort of thing with maybe they had wind of what with the Wigan situation? I was going to ask that. And, and That's then a good maybe point. they've gone, oh, well, we'll. We'll kind of puff our chests out now. I've actually got that in my notes, you know, to say, like, unless they knew that yeah. um, what was coming from Wigan, yeah. and in which case, I kind of can get on board with, uh, I can kind of get on board with it because uh, I think I, I think the other thing is I think it was good and absolutely right at that time because obviously there was doubt over the game, so it was good and it was right to say we're playing the game. So if you're travelling to Wickham or you've got a ticket, we're play, we're playing the game. Um, I know what you mean in terms of this quite sort of um, chest out nature of it, wasn't it? Um, I do think maybe it was about making a little bit of a point of you know what we could try, we could have tried to get this game off. We probably could have got this game off, but we're not. And maybe just a shot across the boards for whoever or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, you I mean, taught me. Might... You've taught me round. I think you taught me round. I'm being <laughs> miserable in Senegal. I think uh, yeah, because it's, defini- I... it's definitely not the lead talking point from that six goal thriller. Come on, let's. Uh, no, I just wanted to set. I wanted to set the scene, <laughs> Phil. Come on, don't. Uh, well, know, on that, before... don't question my editorial stance. So on the um, on the subject of you know, I'm going to put this out there. You can, you can put it on Twitter. I'm not really. It's not really like a serious suggestion. And obviously the two sports are different and the setups are different in that. So I'm going to refer to the the T20 competition that's taking place at the moment in Australia, which has been like ravaged by COVID cases and a lot of the teams have like lost a load of players. Um, so what they've done is brought in like a pool of emergency replacements. Now I'm not saying it's different there because it's franchise, so and it's not like yeah I think it's like culturally a bit different. I'm just saying it's interesting. I know there's like a lot of teams you have to cover off, but there's lots of free agents out there in the market. We have emergency goalkeepers. What if the F- say this COVID situation, God forbid, continues into like twenty two, twenty three, and we're being hit with COVID uh, issues next Christmas, which are I really hope that isn't the case, but you never know. Imagine if you did have like a pool of players for each division where you have free agents, for example, who, you know, can put themselves forward to be in this pool. And then if you're missing players, you can dip into that pool of players and take them for a game. And then say the following week, another team gets a game called off you know, that that team can then take that player to play in that game to fill the to fill the gap, which is what they're doing in the in the cricket. So you have a player play for one team one day and then another team the next to fill the gap. Now I know some people might say, well that's farcical, but how far different is that really from what we suffered last year where we were facing teams who were just like bringing emergency, emergency goalkeepers. Well, like that would be the thing, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, you, I'm not you're relying on I haven't, getting paid per game or something. No, but I'm, the... I'm saying that if you're if you're an out of contract player and you, you know, obviously the, the difference is you might not be playing, you're unfit. I'm not saying it's like a serious suggestion, but it's just interesting. Like if you're talking about we need to get these games on, 
and players and then and then teams are saying oh oh it's COVID and then it's like turns out that they've had eight positive eight false positive tests or they've got a load of players injured. I'm just saying, well, they could say, right, well, you'll have to take, you know, you have to go to the emergency pool and like pick some players out. I mean, Premier League players, Premier League teams certainly shouldn't need to dip into that pool of players, for example. But if you are in, oh, it's certainly, it's certainly in League League. One, certainly in League One, League Two, I think there'd be an argument to say, with the squads the way they are, etc., to say that that would be something that could have happened. Now, I'm not like loads of people might be going, that's a ridiculous idea, but. It's a, it gets the games on. It's a solution to the problem. You know what? Well, you we, know, we, remember we used to you get twenty eight uh, you get twenty eight day loans. What would be the what would be the? I difference? think you know it, it, would be, it would be great to see them come up with. Um, I think it would be something, it would be something quite creative funny, like that. But you but you're looking at you're looking at um, the AFL who couldn't yeah. even couldn't even yeah. manage to like you know when everybody shut down and stopped playing couldn't even manage to come up with a more creative system yeah. than just having points per game dictate who were going to be the four teams yeah. in the playoffs when they had so many opportunities there to like extend the playoffs to like the top 12 or something, yeah. didn't they? And be really creative and they couldn't be bothered to do that. So highly, and they can also, uh, highly they can, doubt anything like this would know, be on the radar. They could also like suspend the rules on how many um, teams a, a lone player can play for sort of things. So obviously, you know, like Will Griggs already played for two teams this season and can't go out or whatever. You know, maybe there's something they could do there. Like that would be, would be taken in consideration. I don't know. Mm. But any, but anyway, it's 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 you just know. on just just one more brief point on this, Stephen. Just in terms of your original point, I just thought it was worth reading out these quotes from from Gareth Ains with afterwards because he says, "I want to give credit to Lee Johnson and Sunderland. They've come out and said we've got COVID, but we'll play. They've done it right. I wouldn't say that other clubs haven't done it right, but there have been a few other rumours about others wanting to get that transfer window. So we absolutely respect it from Sunderland, and I'm so glad we put on a spectacle. So I think that maybe just gives you a bit of insight into mm. what certain clubs think about the general situation and perhaps I, why Sunderland wants to come out. 100% agree with, with what, yeah, 100% agree with that. But I think that's just worth, worth mentioning. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm on board. Sort of, I was on board yeah. with the decision, 100%. I just didn't see the point at the time of... of, of Shouting about it anyway. There's a six-goal thrill you want to talk about, Phil. So no, I'm not sure. Let's just uh, move on. Let's let's yeah. get to that, eh? Because some of the eight minutes in, people are turning off in the droves again. already. Um, I mean, you know, I was talking about the goalkeeper and stuff like that. We we, we don't want to summarise the goal, you know, minute by minute. I'm sure most people have seen the game. Finished three-three. Um, went in front, went two-one behind, drew level two-two, scored late, late on with all the uh, added injury. Um, time it was because of Evans' injury and then conceded a goal. The two goals we conceded, um, well, let's get the negatives out of the way before we purr about the attacking um, performance by Sunderland because there's lots to get excited about at the moment. Um, if somebody had said to you before the game, tell me what kind of goal you were worried about conceding at Wickham. We conceded two of those goals <laughs> at Wickham, didn't we? Ball into the box, loads of bodies all over the place. Was there a foul on the keeper for their second goal? Yeah. Absolutely, he's not yeah. near the ball. He's held his arm back, hasn't he? He's held his arm down. He's absolutely not near the ball. Yes, it's a foul. It's a foul. He's absolutely made no attempt to play the ball. He's pinned his arm. That's for me. Listen, game of opinions, but I can't understand how that's how that's. What you would say is they were they were all at it um, in the box as well. Like our defenders, Callum Doyle makes me nervous with his arms and his hands. <laughs> And I, I think we're like, we've done quite well to get this far into the season without him. Well, he hasn't considered a penalty listen, yet, has he? 
if that's um if that's if that's not a foul, then get a lean back tomorrow because uh you know he was he was brilliant at that and clambering all over people in the box. So yeah, I just think that's I just think that's a foul. No, it, it is. I, I think it is as well. I, I don't even think it's there's a debate. He's he's <clears throat> and I think keepers, you know, I will go down the cliche route. I do think they get too much protection from referees. I think they get far too much protection from referees. But that is generally if you know somebody jumps up with them and then they fall to the ground. You know, he can't jump up for the ball because this guy is holding his arm back. So it, it's a foul. Um, thoughts on the keeper generally? Um, because well. Yeah, I did. I think you know, in good. terms of very, any very any, any any fault. Um, you know, we 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 just said that he was fouled for one, the other goal at all or not, or do we? Which was the second one? It was a mate. It was a fantastic he save. He made a good save before that, didn't he? On the line, just it's. I guess, I, guess, so, yeah, I, I guess some people could argue, you know, maybe maybe could have come out for it, but, you know, no. but he was he was on the line. He's made a good save. I'm just putting a question out there. I think, you know, it's 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 disappointing, isn't it? Because we, I've just said there, they're the two goals you you worry you're going to concede, and and we couldn't prevent it from happening. Um, context, everything on a draw in a game of football, isn't it? Because if that's us making that as an equaliser, we're chuffed with that because we're, a point's not a bad result at Wigan at all, is it? And we've been really positive about this. No, I think that it, it was just such a roller coaster of emotions because I think that, like, you can't not just be so deflated because also it feels like, it feels like Sunderland are always the team who are kind of conceding the late goal or... Yeah. In terms of, I don't mean this season, I mean in terms of across the four seasons, you know, the, the one that reminded me so much of was the Peterborough game. I know that was later in the season, but you remember when Power scored and then yeah. Peterborough went straight up the other yeah. end and and you saw it sort of lends itself to that feeling of we just never seem to be quite able to be the team who gets that late winner and goes top. And, and, and it's so frustrating in that sense because actually if you look at, you know, there was still six or seven minutes to play when Stewart scores. And ninety-nine percent of what they do after that is really good. You know, they they yeah. um, made good decisions, played in the right areas, took time out of the game. Just one long ball. It's not even the corner for me. It's the fact they've given away a corner when actually they weren't under that much pressure. It was so loose and so frustrating. But at the same time, you know, so many years and so many times I've been on this pod and and, and written in the paper that you know you have no idea what Sunderland are trying to do and what the recruitment's been leading towards and so it's hard to be too upset when you watch them play like they did in the second half because it's brilliant to watch they should have been out of sight you know a tricky game played so well um so yeah I was I was genuinely gutted because it, it you know it does feel like we've been there been here so many times before and it's so frustrating but at the same time you know when they're doing so much of what you asked for for such a long time you you, you do feel upbeat you you know, it was such a good game to watch and I've, so much I've respect never, for the way they played. I've never, so you're right, and when we say like a draw is really hard to contextualise if you just look at a result because, it could, you know, you, you never know what that draw means to somebody on the, on the day. And like I've just said, if that was us scoring a last minute, um, a last second equaliser, that would be elated. But you've just referenced a couple of games there and we, we have been kicked in the, in the nuts and in the teeth a lot since we've been down here. But... That's the first time I can remember in a long time where we've conceded a last-minute goal in that manner and I haven't, and I've still felt positive immediately afterwards. Yeah. Normally, I would have been devastated <clears throat> and I would have been ranting on Twitter and, and and I just didn't feel like doing that because I just feel like this team are just on the way. I just feel like I've got a good feeling about them. I just feel like they're on the way up. You know, the, you've seen the, the manner in which I lost to Portsmouth 
you know, weather, a massive variable there, obviously, the way they lost at, at Sheffield Wednesday. This was a, a really big test. And particularly when they've gone 2-1 down, the way they've responded was such a mature response by this team. And I can't help thinking that in this run of games, regardless of whether it was a last minute or last second equaliser or not, a point at a team like this and taking four points from Wickham leaves you in a good place. Yeah, and, if you, I mean, you, it kind of a little bit like the Burton game in a way where yeah. we lose that game, but afterwards you're like, well, you can't really criticise it. Like, yeah, you can pick the goals to bits and say we're like weak at times, and but that's that's been a common theme through the season. That and every team's got a weakness, and that's ours. So, um, it's it's coping with that. Um, and if you score three goals away from home, really, you should win the game. Um, but like you say, I, I yeah, I wasn't. I know a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm absolutely devastated. I'm gutted." I, I didn't feel that at all. I, I was, I was, I was a bit disappointed, but. I was good, I, but I, I, but I, I wasn't think, down about it. I think um, you know, if you if it was like game forty, then I'd be devastated. But it's not, and I'd be more. I'd, and that's that. That's the point. Game forty is kind of on onwards. Is the point where performances kind of don't matter. You just got to win the games. Do you know what I mean? Where now I think you can be a little bit more sort of analytical about it and kind of go. If we play like that in most games, which we have been recently, we will slaughter most teams in the league. You know that we we were in cl- three times clean through the middle in that second half with through Embleton, Gooch, and Evans had the chance, the best chance fell at Evans, um, and the other two lads failed to control it. Um, obviously, Embleton hit that bar with like unbelievable effort, really, um, and you know we could we could have. They they didn't threaten at all in 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 the in the second half, um, and then they've got that corner like Phil says, kind of against the run of play really, and just bad. Some you know he's free at the back post for the header, and they've scrambled it in, and you know on another day that ball might come off the keeper, and we we managed to hike it clear, but yeah. it's gone on to Jacobson's foot. Which, which by the way, I mean his goal line clearance like the matrix, wasn't it? It was like what on earth. Was that? I mean, unbelievable. I, I, I can't recall seeing many goal line clearances as good as that. Such a good header as well. Like Stewart does so well to <clears throat> like because he's quite far out. So yeah. to get enough power on a ball, sort of steer it, and oh, that was that was unbelievable. That yeah. it just kind of summed it up in the end. Yeah, but he's he's. I mean, you got to talk. I mean, you've mentioned his name there, and yeah, he's had a bit of a. A slightly dry spell for him, Stewart, and I think that is to do with, and this isn't having to go Broadhead, but I think it is to do with Broadhead coming in the team and in the way those two play alongside each other and the dynamic and Stewart's kind of natural tendency to work for the team. Um, I'm not saying Broadhead doesn't do that, by the way, but you can you can do it in different ways, and the way Stewart does it is to bring other people in. I think that the thing is with Stuart is when he's when there's another man up there, if he's coming short and doing that good work that he does, yeah, he'll go into the box, but there's other options in the box and maybe Broadhead's gone in there sooner, so he's got to make a different run. As soon as he's gone back to that one up front, we've seen how threatening he is. And it's no surprise to me that, you know, I mean, he could have had another hat-trick 
if that ball's gone over the line and in rather than hit Stockdale and gone in. Um and you know, I know Ainsworth was praising him after the game, hopefully not trying to like put some blood in the water for people in the championship, maybe and going, well, it wouldn't it wouldn't be bad for Wickham if uh somebody chucked a bid in for, for Ross Stewart and they lost him in, in, in January. Um the cynic in his kind of thought and Rather than he did. just being nicey nicey, but I he did know. he did that after the stadium like game as well. So I think he d- genuinely does just love him. Oh, well, fair um, enough. To be fair, well, he, how, did, he mean, did do it after the game. He is. He's just that second goal is like it's a level above finish. Yeah, do you, do you is know what? He's just he's so good at like, and it's quite hard to describe because I don't know entirely what I'm describing, but I think you'll know what I mean. The amount of times that. He just hunts the centre back down, you know, when that little ball gets played mm. through or a little ball's whipped into the channel. And initially, you don't think you should get there. The defender's got the centre half's got five, ten yards, and he's just so good at not only catching up with him, not making the foul. Because I mean, you see so many strikes, especially yeah. at this level. As soon as they get close to centre half, they push or they kick. Or he's just brilliant at it. And the third goal was a great example of that because I was right online with it. And when Gooch first plays it, he's got no right to be make the first contact on that pass, none whatsoever. But he does that so regularly just because he's so lean and agile. I think he's, he's, he's tremendous. I mean, we're always risky, risking overhyping a little bit because we've seen so many poor players over the last few years. But he's just, he's got so much going for him. He's tremendous. I, I are, we are we worried I, about keeping all of them? Because we, no, we, 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 so. we, we, we talk about incomings and stuff. But you, if you're a championship team, right, and you look and you're saying, you know, where, where can we look now? And you look at the league below and you look at the top scorers, he's there. You look at his game, he's got a touch. He can finish. He runs the channels. He holds it. He can head it. He's he's quite quick. There's no, there's not there's nothing really where you would see how he needs to work on that context of where he's playing in League One, obviously. But in terms of playing for a, a top League One side, which we are at the minute, <laughs> try to make it sound good as tragic, isn't it? But um, <laughs> like a top League One side as we are at the minute, is there a danger for Leah? Like I know you, you not, know this, not this month, not this month. Just, just, be, just because we would ref- take the stance of no, of, of saying just be, no. Well, a because we take the stance of no, but b even if even if you're at a model where Sunderland are, where you're saying that, you know, you want to sell players when they reach that kind of peak um, asset, if you like, he's nowhere near that yet. Financially, it doesn't make sense to sell now. Um, but what if somebody like you know, so there, there are some sides in the championship who throw money around. Or is my concern? Do you know what I mean? I don't think they would sell them sell them on the cheap. I'm not trying to suggest that, but. My concern would be there's some ridiculous amounts of money get thrown around in the championship. Somebody says, I'll tell you what, that's three million quid. No, they'd uh, never they, sell they, him they for will, that. No they, chance. They, they, won't, they wouldn't sell him for that this month. No. I genuinely believe that. No. Okay. If, listen, if they, if they do, I'll be first there with me pitchfork. Don't you worry. I'll be... Uh, I'll well, be I'll hold you to it. Remember what... They won't. Remember. I don't think it makes sense. I don't think... It, it certainly doesn't make sporting sense. I don't even think it makes financial sense to sell even at that price this window because I think the like could be worth an awful lot more um, I mean, in the not too distant future. Remember when you know there was a few comments from Lee Johnson a while ago saying, you know, Ross Stewart could be a nine, a nine million pound player or whatever. Um, they've obviously had a conversation about the potential and what he could what he could be worth. I would say if is see how he if we can get promoted, see how he. Does it level above? Because that will be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge. Like we know to step up, so he's got to, he's got to meet that. I think you'd be talking more than nine if you were selling him. If he if he if he hit if he delivers the 
the levels that you you, you could at a, at a level above. It'll not you'll not be taught nine million. You could probably stick another four or five on on top of that. I think like based on what you see uh, at that level, more strikers at that that level, kind of the better ones. You're looking at what. 13, 14 million, aren't you? So right. I, I would say, you know, and we don't we don't know how good he he, he can be yet because obviously it's a level he's playing at, but in terms of game intelligence and the things he does, like that run that you're talking about, Phil, is like there's loads of times where he runs the line and wins the ball where he shouldn't, but it's a t- the timing of his runs in the in between the width of the box or the second goal he scored against Sheffield Wednesday when Pritchard's got the ball he's kind of just ambling and then he goes bang the afterburners go on and he makes a run and it's the the time there's a reason he can finish it with that yeah the pass is great but the reason he can finish it with that one touch as well as he does is because he's he's hit hit the ball at the point he needs to to take it when he wants and that's exactly what we've seen again at the weekend with that run where he's run from deep across the defender, blindside. He can't see him. It's too late. He can't recover without fouling him then. But he does it all the time. It's like the angles of his runs and it's very hard. It must be very hard to play against him because like, he occupies so many different spaces in the final third. And like, you can see it in goes in, the, he goes the ground. Into, that's he, goes in, yeah. he goes into like unusual... I know that sounds daft because he's a four you expecting him, but he goes into like unusual areas for like a striker. Like he does, he's, he does like, he doesn't just go and sit in the box. He'll come into like little pockets and pick the ball, bounce it off. Yeah. He goes wide in, in, in wide areas. When we've got the ball in positions where you'd expect him to try and get in the box, things, he does strange stuff. I, I think it must be like hard as a defender then to go like, well, you know, where is he? You know, and I, th- and I yeah. think, that, and and it's no surprise. I mean, but that circuit, what a cracking ball is what was for the header. I mean, that was like it, the only and, place he could have put that cross in. And Embleton's as well. Embleton's yeah. was absolutely terrific ball from post as well. Two two brilliant crosses. I, I thought Circum was really good. Um, yeah, he did well. I yeah. thought he did both. I thought he did both sides of the game well. Um, yeah, I thought it was worth mentioning actually. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, you 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 could. Go through the team and do that. Just finally, on Stuart, we'll not sell our prizes enough. Talk about sell our prizes enough. For, uh, not for three million enough. pounds. Yeah, Stephen. I'm just come on. There's there's, there's previous why I, why I would think that you know you yeah. can't be that naive enough to think it's not a concern. Yeah, but um, don't don't start saying that because like um, you'll, well, activ- just, you'll activate Chris and then he'll be on Twitter <laughs> with threads. <laughs> what? And why Sunderland are going to sell us two for three million? Pounds. I might do it just for the clicks. Um, yeah. Right, um, just just finishing on 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 what you said there about Stuart. I think and a couple of a couple of older people who I know are a bit older than me, and I, I can remember this play a little bit. But they've kind of compared him to Gabby Dean in a way, in, in the terms of the way he makes those runs and gets on the end just from nothing. So, I mean, that goal against Sheffield Wednesday is an example. When you're behind the goal, you can appreciate it because Pritchard's got the ball there, and you're thinking. There's not a run on here, like so. Stewart's sort of running and he's surrounded by a couple of defenders. You think there's not, there's no space from a run in away, and then suddenly he does it. Now, equally, you need somebody as good as Pritchard to, to be able to execute the pass straight away. And his upturn in form, Phil, this is not a coincidence, is it? That Sunderland are putting so many points on the board, they're scoring so many goals, they're cutting so many teams open, they're looking so good attacking. 
that's not a coincidence. This is since Pritchard has found his range in in recent weeks. No, he's a he's a real leader, isn't he? And I mean, not not just in terms of shouting at people and stuff like that, but because the thing was, I think when obviously when someone signed him, you kind of thought that you knew he was going to be a good footballer and that he'd be tidy and his technical skills would be very good. But what I probably didn't realize or appreciate is that you know he's the best presser in the team. Um, he's hunts the opposition defenders down makes really good decisions in terms of when he goes and closes the space down. And that Sheffield Wednesday game is obviously a great example of that because he makes interception. And that's probably the side of the game I didn't realise he had. Off the ball, he has been so good and he's made such a difference to the side. And, you know, it actually now kind of makes sense, you know, that Huddersfield paid all that money for him because obviously they had um, David Wagner there who's, you know, very much wanting to play that high-pressing game and and he wanted Pritchard as his number 10 clearly for that reason. And, and I think that has been a massive difference because... It's not just being that the quality of the football has improved in weeks, recent weeks from Sunderland. The reason they've been able to do that is because their pressing has been so much better than it was two months ago. They're winning the ball back higher up the pitch so much more often than they were. Um, and, and Pritchard's been in, integral to that. And that's why I say he's, he's a real leader in this team, not necessarily in terms of shouting and screaming, but just in terms of his intelligence and his, his decision-making. I mean, it, it, it is a bit of a, sorry, sorry, just saying with Pritchard's, it's like it is very much a case of it's like somebody's changed the batteries, like because they like it hasn't been a gradual improvement in performance. He was terrible in that first two and a half months of the season. Like he was, he couldn't, he couldn't control a ball, and then all of a sudden he went, "Oh, I'm, I'm actually really good at football now," and he was just great from like the Shrewsbury game onwards. He's been phenomenal. It's just bizarre. I don't think I've ever seen. Like it's like someone flicked the switch. It's just really strange because at the start of the season, I just thought this guy is very much in the mould of the kind of players that we've signed previously. Where they come with a pedigree, they've had a big fee against the head. You think like, oh well, maybe you'll get it right here, and you think nah, he's there's a reason why he's he's kind of tumbled down here, and he he isn't going to. He's just going to be another one of those sorts of players. Where people talk about in the future, well, remember when we tried to, you know, this guy came and he came with these these pedigree and he was rubbish and it, it's com- it's just like ridiculous the transformation in him and and he's been absolutely fantastic um, in the last since that Shrewsbury game I would say he's been uh, probably obviously just broadhead Stewart and 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 him wasn't it like you look at him I don't know what you're saying earlier Stephen about like. And don't do the whole like, oh, this this it's different this time, this team's different sort of thing. But we definitely have something in there that we haven't had previously in terms of this. We've got players who kind of feels like are on a bit of an upward trajectory, who've got a lot of ability. You've got players like Neil, Stewart, well, just... Broadhead, <laughs> and then, you know, Pritchard, I wouldn't put it in that category, but he's got the quality, Embleton. You know, we've seen this from 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 out from those players, and it feels like we've got these players at the right time, um, as opposed to having some these players. You know, where especially first season, we did have quality in the team in the first season in the league, and um, when we kind of the players left over from the championship, people like Oviedo or Catamore, but they aren't. They weren't. They weren't. They were just better than the other players in the other teams because they are. Mm. Whereas the these sort of there's an energy to these players. It's like the you know, the trying to make the way in the game. And they've got point to prove, you know, the one one people to talk about them. I think it says a lot that you can 
we can sit and talk about how good we look from an attacking point of view, and then we could talk about the weekend's game. We scored three goals and talk and mention all of these players. And I was going to come on to Gooch there because I know Phil's done a, a piece on Gooch and the Echo. And we can do all this and we can have all these conversations and not even mention Dan Neil really from Saturday, who's been the standout player and everybody's favourite player this season. That just shows, that tells me that we're in a really strong position that, you know, it doesn't always have to be about one player or two players because, you know, on Tuesday night, Pritchard might be crap and Dan Neil might turn it on and it's and it's fine. And that shows we're in a good position. I want to come on to Linda Gooch in particular, Phil. Uh, hold the thought on Catamore, Gareth, because I've got, I want to I speak about uh, reinforcements later. Um you're really impressed with Linda Gooch at the bringing moment. Cat, we're bringing Catmull back. Yeah, no, no, just don't. Yeah. You should have no, 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 Exclusive. Just, just, oh, he's hold that right. thought. Hold that thought. I'm, I'm all for it, by the way. He's just texted us. He's just texted us. Yeah. Um, I'm all for it. Get him Linda back Gooch at the minute, Phil. Um, again, putting himself into the conversation when we're talking about players who's having a real impact going forward. I uh, know you've done a piece, Nick, or if people haven't checked it out yet, uh, as long as I haven't read five articles already. Um and um, you're really pleased with his form in particular. And uh, at what point do we start expecting a contract offer? Yeah, well, it proved to be divisive, that one, by the way. I put a tweet out, went on for a run, and then came back, and uh, <laughs> my mentions had blown up. So clearly it's not a... It's Twitter um, that, though, isn't it? You wouldn't have it any other yeah, way. Um, I, I tend to be pretty vanilla on Twitter, though, so it's uh, it's unusual if I uh, if I get a response like that. But no, I just think that for the for probably the first time six weeks ago, um, I was kind of starting to wonder, because of his being the last year of his contract, sort of thinking, is it getting to a point where maybe he needs a fresh challenge? And because he didn't seem to be playing all that well, um, but I think he's been really good recently. I, and you know, I'm not saying, but I, you know, if you look at his output over the last few games, it's been very, very good. I think it's something like four assists from the last six games. Bearing in mind, he won't have been credited for that one goal at Doncaster, um, which was you know his run and cross to Pritchard's back heel. Um, and I thought Saturday just kind of summed up what he can be in terms of, yeah, okay, sometimes he can be a bit frustrating, but he never stops. He's a menace to defenders for 90 minutes. And then you look at that last 15, 20 minutes, probably should have had a penalty, could have got Jack Jacobson sent off, puts a brilliant cross in for Stewart, which Stewart just puts over the bar and then he gets the assist. So I just think he he is performing now at the level or close to the level that we know he's capable of. And the reality is that, you know, some have obviously made a decision that they're not offering a contract yet. And, um, you know, it does leave it does leave him vulnerable because I know there will be championship clubs who are who are tracking him, have been tracking him for a while because there's a potential bargain there. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just an interesting one. It's certainly something I'd be looking at. Um, mm. I, I don't know what you guys think about, but certainly um, it, it would something it would he, be on my radar. He, I, I, you can't let a player of that caliber, whatever you think about him, just leave for free and 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 go like you say, possibly a division up. And he would hate to be labelled a versatility player, wouldn't he? Players hate that. Um, and I think he's comfortable getting into the area assistant. But there was a, a few games ago, you know, when we had all the injury problems and and he was playing fullback, and it was when he was trying to ease circling back in, wasn't it? And and Hume as well. And you know, you, how many players could just be playing fullback for you and then? And then your manager brings a fullback on and asks you to go and play off the striker, which is what was happening to him in one game. And that's just a little bit of a snapshot about how important he is because he does all of this competently. And yes, you know, he's 
really frustrating and, and at times you don't need me to explain you know that his decision making which is better now at the top end of the pitch can frustrate people but we keep saying we're in league one he's somebody who's you know very very familiar obviously with the area what the club means he can be explosive on his day can play so many positions you, you could not talk me out of offering him a contract right Gareth Surely nobody thinks. Um, I think, I think I mean, I've seen the way the way some of the fans reacted to letting Max Power go, which I, I, I felt was strange. But surely I think, not. I think if you pitch. accept, I think if you accept him as the player he is, then you give him a new contract. Like I, I think, you know that. I think he's plateaued. I don't think he's going. I, I don't feel like he's going to improve greatly now. I feel as though he's kind of reached the. The peak of his this capabilities. Is this is him. You think? Yeah, yeah. And I, but I haven't got a problem with that because I think he's a useful player. He's got good attitude. He's a bit nasty. Which how many times have we said we lack players with that sort of edge? And he's definitely got a bit of an edge to him, which is you know sometimes you need that. Um, <clears throat> and I don't think there's I don't think there's any problem in in giving him a new deal regardless of the level you're at, because uh, I think he'll 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 contribute positively um, you know, I think you've got to remember in, in a squad of players it, so it all seems to be this like you know everyone criticises players and everyone has you know things that players do that they don't particularly like or whatever but you know it, like not every player is perfect are they? so not re- there's not many players who are perfect so you just got to accept I think if you accept this is Lyndon Gooch, this is what he does. Um, you know, he's like you're saying, he can frustrate and inconsistent, but at the same time, he can deliver quality. He can play in multiple areas. He's always going to give everything. You know, I think it would be a bit of a, a Phil Bardsley situation, even if you're in the Championship or League One. It would be like, well, you'd, you're probably going to struggle to re- replace him competently. Do you know what I mean? Like, how much yeah. money would you have to spend to buy well, a player who it. would who would so you, replace you, him? Losing him for free. Exactly. You're going to need a pair to replace him. Exactly. And like we've just discussed competent in more than one position. Yeah. yeah. No brainer for me. So we'll, we'll have a little break and we'll um, come back. We'll just talk about Sunderland. Quickly talk about Sunderland's next few games, transfer window, that kind of thing. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay, 
welcome back to the Wiseman Say podcast. Uh, we have a game against Lincoln, obviously. I mean, we preview that too much specifically, but just look at Sullivan's next few games and, and get Phil's thoughts about what uh, could happen in um, January. Um, I mentioned Lee Catterball there. He's not signing for us again. <laughs> but what, what I was thinking was, like, and I was thinking about this when I was watching the match and, uh, and you know, how good those young lads are midfield and the way that Evans has kind of been doing a really good job recently of just sort of gluing, gluing it all together, if you like. And I've got no doubt talking them through the, the match, Phil. And that is important. It's not something you would always see as a fan, um, but somebody with experience just, you know, talking them through the games. And when you think back to those games like Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham where they've kind of like lost the plot a little bit in Portsmouth, um, I was just thinking, how good would it be? How good would that have been if Lee Catamol had a, a little sort of triangular shape of players around him, like like you know, like Evans does now? But and obviously, you know, yes, he's not here anymore, but it's just because he got brought up in conversation. Um, so two questions for you. Firstly, Phil, how serious is Evans' injury? Secondly, are they going to prioritise somebody in that position because we need? a bit experience in there, I think. Yes, bring Catmull back. I agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, 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 honestly, I'm honestly not sure on Evans. I mean, I think there was the, um, the initial feedback was that there was, didn't appear to be any significant damage, um, which suggested it was more just um, concussion. If it is just concussion, then he depend when he can come back depends on whether he displays symptoms so if it is just concussion he goes through the protocols which basically mean he can start returning to training as of today if he has no symptoms which means he could play at the weekend um, I'd be surprised if he didn't have any symptoms just because of the severity of it so I, w- I would guess he would miss the next couple um, as, at, a, at a minimum um, yeah I think I think they do need another centre midfielder I thought that even before Evans um, was injured and I agree with you. I thought he was excellent on Saturday. Just kept popping up when you were a bit worried about a loose ball or a second ball. Suddenly he was there just to sweep up. I thought he was excellent. Yeah, that's what we need. That's um, what those guys need around them. I suppose, yeah. And I think that Winchester was doing very well, I thought, in centre midfield, to be fair. But obviously, if, as it looks like, there's going to be a bit of a longer-term process in terms of bedding Trey Hume in, um, then I think you need a bit of cover in that position. It's still, I mean, I said it before the window, it was one of my kind of priority positions as well as up front and I think that still remains the case and I would like to think they'd be thinking that way even if as we hope and touch wood Evans Evans will be back in a, in a week or two um, Is, um because... what's the situation with Bailey Wright uh, I know he, you know, is he out for a little bit do you know or... he, I, it doesn't sound very serious um, okay. Johnston put a time scale on it he said it would be he thought it was unlikely that he'd play tomorrow right, um, okay. so that yeah they certainly took from that that it's not a, a long term one yeah, fingers so, crossed anyway. So I guess probably Gooch goes to right back, doesn't he? Probably and then Which yeah, and, I would have thought and, so. And, and then again, Winchester just... into the centre in the centre midfield, and then you might have to I guess you might have to play Diamond tomorrow, I guess. And I thought I, th- I thought Diamond did well when he came yeah, on. Um, he he's direct, isn't he? That's the th- he just yeah. runs to the box, which is very annoying probably if you're a defender. Because <laughs> you like yeah. want people that you don't want people driving at you, do you on the edge of the penalty area? So yes, yeah, I'd have no concerns if if Diamond was in the starting eleven tomorrow, um, none whatsoever. And again, you know, you mentioned it there. It just speaks to what we're saying about Gucci. You know that you you can suddenly feel like you can put him in at right back, and 
all right, it's not ideal, but I don't think you would have any major concerns, yeah. would you? Um, I know he made that mistake against Oxford, but generally yeah. speaking. Um, he's, well, he had an excellent game from left-back, um, who was that against where he set up a couple of goals midweek. It was a Morecambe game. Morecambe, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a good, yeah. you know, he, after the Oxford game, after he had that little um, um, error. But, yeah, I, I think that had probably, that's probably going to, what he'll have to do, only because if Wright was back, he could put Wright there, couldn't he? Excuse me, which he has been doing, and then put Winchester in midfield. But um, it looks like probably it'll probably have to, you know, put probably move Gooch there. And in terms of the group of players that they've got to pick from, because they're, you know they're another down, and we don't know if um, with the COVID situation either. I don't know, you know, if, if there's any other cases in the squad. And also, they, I guess O'Brien could come back, but if he hasn't trained for two weeks, you know, because he could play sort of instead of Gooch in that sort of forward area, couldn't he? I don't, I don't think O'Brien will start. Uh, Johnson said he might be able to return and be involved, but bench at best, I would have, yeah. I would have said. Obviously, like, like you say, you, do, you don't know what the situation yeah. is in terms of COVID because yeah. you don't know when those lads at the weekend first contract it, etc. So, yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a lottery at the moment, isn't it, waiting for the waiting for the team news. Yeah. And, you know, so yes, one and false change, we think, but I guess it says a lot of we're in a position where, you know, what I've just said there, well, I'll do a bit of a preview of the Lincoln game because we've spent many of these podcasts over the years saying, talking about an upcoming game saying, right, well, I'll play him there and I'll change this and I'll do that. And at the minute, nobody really is inclined to think that you need to do that because we're playing so well. Also, because we've had that little bit of a um, a break, they're in a position as well for the way you're thinking they can, they can go full strength today and Saturday. They don't have to try and rotate things. I mean, they might not be able to, numbers-wise anyway. But regardless, you know, they should be fresh enough to just to have a go here you shouldn't then try and keep the team as consistent as possible. Yeah, definitely. And, and like you say, I don't think there's any real areas of the pitch where you, you feel like anyone's particularly underperforming. Um, so, and, and listen, Johnson said himself that, you know, obviously you want a, a deep squad of players and you want to be able to have options, but also there's no doubt the, the consistency can help. You know, the players have that clarity and stability that they know they're not kind of playing for their place all the time. And, um, it's it's definitely been a, definitely been a factor, and I think you know you want to keep this kind of core together um, as much as you can because you can see those partnerships improving. You know, Pritchard, Embleton, Stewart. Um, yeah, I think you know as as we kind of said before, you, you're excited to go and watch this team at the moment. Um, and as much as you know, the team has to get up this year, and there is that tension and that anxiety. Um, I'm trying not to take for granted the fact that I enjoy watching them play and I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah. watching them again because it's, it's a nice feeling. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? If you get like two games to go at the end of the season, you've been enjoying it and then you chuck it in the last two games of the season, you're like, oh, well, that was a waste of time sort of thing. It, you, you will be like that, but hopefully that, you know, the, I was kind of looking at it and third, we've got 21 games remaining. Win 13 of those games. I reckon we'll go up. What's that? So we'll, give, we'll, that, would, that would give us 89 on the wins and then um, get some, you know, some draws or whatever to get us up to that 92 points. I've got a two points per game now. Yeah. With that, like exactly two points per game. So but when you, when you look at 50 it, points. I mean, when I remember like when, when we had that, we kicked, we started under Parkinson where we went on that run and we were 
between um, December and March, we were excellent. Remember at the time saying we needed to win, it was something like 15 and 22. I mean, that it was like 15 and 21 or something. And it was like, well, that's that seems like quite quite a task. Whereas 13 and 21 doesn't seem as doesn't seem as daunting. I don't know. But especially if you get, you know, you notch up a couple as soon as possible, get ahead of the game and sort of tip them off. But I reckon that'll, that'll do it. You know, th- and the way they're playing, they, they are capable of it. It's just that. It's the team's around you. Yeah, yeah but you, you can't. Isn't it? Like you they, can't. I, well, you we can control. Like you can beat them because yeah. we've got another. We've got another opportunity to play Rotherham, which is going to be quite a game. That isn't it, Rotherham at the stadium. When that is it, is that sort of March time? That one, I think. I mean that that's going to be a game, and then we've obviously we've got the the Wigan away game at the end of February. Um, so there, that's going to be. There's going to be some occasions those ones, but. The thing is, because we've done quite well against those top teams at the start of the season, and yeah, we've had that blip. And I always think if we get, you know, the whole streaky Lee thing, let's not like, if we if we end up in a situation where we don't win an eight or something again, it'll just be like, you know, the mood can turn very quickly. Um, but you know, the the runner games we got coming up, and Portsmouth will be a tough one. But our home our home form has been excellent. Um, you'd fancy us to beat anyone at home, really. Um, and around that, we've got a, a nice run of games where I'll be saying for the next five games, we should we could get 13 points out of 15, I would say, when you look, if you look at the fixtures. Well, we've got Rotherham 26th of March. 26th um, of March. So the next few games, obviously, Lincoln at home haven't been doing well, but they've, they've turned the form around a little bit the last couple of games, I think I'm right in saying. Um, Accretan away, which... We got a decent record there, but again, that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, you kind of hope that, well, I say Hoffman's not been the greatest when it comes to being pending on his line either, has he? But mm. it's a bit of a, one of those in it where you like stood up balls to the back post and six foot five, you know, well, the big Rotherham recently, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, well, I watched that game and they and did that's the, all, and, they played, and, but they're very two similar styles of teams, Rotherham mm. and, and, uh, Rotherham and Ackerman, very although Rotherham are just better at executing it and they've got better players, but they play mm. a very similar way. We've got Portsmouth at home after that, then we've got to Bolton, uh, whose form you know just fell off. I mean, when they played us up here, they looked quite good, I thought, mm. and I thought they would be in the mix, but they've, they've been generally terrible ever since. I saw, like, I saw them against uh, Rotherham, and they should have really they should have had a couple of goals before Rotherham scored, really. Um, Bolton, but they weren't. At the, they weren't like excellent in the game. It just like they had a couple of chances. Mm. Doncaster at home, Cheltenham away, and that's the next few games. I think. Um, so if you get, th- there's, it's not unrealistic to target thirteen points from those from those five. I don't think. No. Based on based on you know, and we, and we need to we need to beat if you beat the bot if you beat the bottom twelve twice, that's twenty four wins. Think of it that way. Then you only have to like pick up a few against you know the top half, and that's what. Um, yeah, my 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 concern, Phil, isn't with Sunderland's form. It's with the fact that still another couple of decent teams hovering around. And I know we're going to like you know having like nine games in hand or whatever. Um, they have to sort it out. But Rotherham people seem to be writing off suddenly when uh, the fact of the matter is they've lost one game in like twenty two or something. It's not like they've you know 
it's not like the wheels have come off or anything like that. Um, but what I would say is it's about how we would bounce back should we should we lose in one of these games. And we might, because we're not suddenly, you know, undefeatable. Um, and we, we need to avoid that streaky thing, like I've said. And and that's why I was encouraged about their reaction on Saturday to go on a goal down. So they've just got to do that on a wider scope should something go wrong. But are we confident for tomorrow, firstly? You're on mute, Phil. Sorry, I'm on mute. <laughs> I was doing so well. Um, you just yeah, revealed like a massive revelation there. He's like on mute. Catmull's coming back. Yeah. Um, no, I think um, I've completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, Lincoln, they had a good result on Saturday because I wasn't expecting that beating Oxford. I know Oxford had the man sent off. Um, but it, I don't know. I am confident because I think Lincoln will come and try and play. You know, they are one of those teams and they probably will have a few spells in the game. They'll probably play some nice stuff. But I think you, I think you feel confident with that with Sunderland at the moment because if there's a bit of space in the game, at the moment with Westland, right, you feel like they're going to create an awful lot of opportunities. Um, so yeah, I'm not taking, I'm not reading too much into where Lincoln are on the table because I think they will have threats, but you know, you've got to give someone a lot of credit at home this season. They've been outstanding. So, so fingers crossed, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and I'm just going to try and bask in that for as, for as, for as long as possible. Yeah, let's not worry about Rotherham and, yeah. and Wigan. Let's just yeah. continue to win games. I mean, we—I know yeah. you said at the, I know you said at the start of the show, Stephen, that you know we're at the time of year where the games come, games come thick and fast again. But this is our last midweek game tomorrow until the eighth of February. So we've we've got a bit of time um, between games now to to have a bit of a rest, get some of the players back, um, and. You know, hopefully, you know, bring some players in as well. So, right. Well, if you want to edit that bit out of the interview, no, no. Then... Well, no, because I, I thought the same. I was like, oh, it's usually the time, but um, we've just played all our games, haven't we? The, I mean, if we would have played Fleetwood if they hadn't cancelled it. So, and that's the only game we've got to rearrange. I think all the other fixtures are in place. So maybe they'll they'll fit the Fleetwood one in in the next three or four weeks. Um, they might do that um, since there's a since there's that gap. Um, or there's the FA Cup weekend, I guess. Actually, no, they've gone now. Now they've gone now. The FA You'd Cup be weekend. wanting to do that then, if that's the case. If if we're not playing mm. midweek, lords, and we continue to play like we are, you'd suddenly be wanting to yeah. try and squeeze our Fleetwood and one in, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. While you're playing, well. maybe towards the end of the month, get it squeezed mm. in. Um, if they want to do it. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming along, Phil. I appreciate it as always. I'm taking. Nobody's got anything else. Uh, massively pressing that they want to add and we'll, no. uh, we'll wrap things up so as always thanks for listening <laughs>